Chapter Eleven of Bull Hunter by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When they were together, they made a study in contrasts. By seeing one, it was possible to imagine the other. For instance, seeing the high, narrow forehead, peaked face, the gray flecked hair of Pete Reeve, his nervous step, his piercing and uneasy eyes, seeing this man with his body from which all spare flesh was wasted so that he remained only muscle and nerve, it was easy to conjure up the figure of Bull Hunter by thinking opposites. Their very voices held a world of difference. The tone of Pete Reeve was pitched a little high, hard, and somewhat nasal, and when he was angry his words came shrill and ringing. The mere sound of his voice was irritating. It put one on edge with expectancy of action, whereas the full, deep, slow musical voice of Bull Hunter was a veritable sleep-producer. Men might fear Charlie Bull Hunter because of his tremendous bulk, but children, hearing his voice, were unafraid. The motions of Pete Reeve were as fast and as deft as the whiplash striking of a snake. The motions of Bull Hunter were premeditated and cautious as befitting one whose hands might crush what they touch and whose footfalls made a flooring groan. He sat cross-legged on the floor, his back against the wall. They had moved a ponderous stool into the room so that Bull might have something on which to sit, but long habit had made him uneasy in a chair, and he kept to the floor by preference. With the great square chin resting on his fist, and his knee supporting his elbow. That position pressed the forearm against the biceps, and the big muscles bulged out on either side, vast as the thigh of a strong man. With lion-like wrinkles of attention between his eyes, he listened to the exposition of the little man, and followed his movements with patient submission, like a pupil to whom a great master has consented to unfold the secrets of his brushwork. In such a manner did Bull Hunter drink in the words and acts of Pete Reeve, and indeed, where guns were the subject of conversation, it would have been hard to find a man more thoroughly equipped to pose as an expert than Pete Reeve. That fleshless hand, all speed of motion as it whipped out the gun from the nerve and sinew, and became an incredible ghost with the holster and the long, heavy colt danced and flashed at his fingertips as though it were a gilded shadow. As he worked, he talked, and as he talked, he strode constantly back and forth through the room with his light, falling, mincing steps. He grew excited. He flushed. There came a thrill and a ring and a deepening of the voice, for the master was indeed talking of the secrets of his craft. A thousand men of the mountains and the cattle ranges, men who for personal pride or physical need studied accuracy and speed in gunplay, would have paid untold prices to learn these secrets from the lips of the little man. To Bull Hunter, the mysteries were revealed for nothing, freely, and drilled and drummed into him through the weeks of his convalescence. And still, the lessons continue now that he was hale and hearty once more, as the clean-swept platters from which he ate three times a day gave evidence. 
I practiced, you admit, said Bull, in his slow voice, as Pete Reeve came to a pause. But I haven't got your way with a gun, Pete. You've got a genius for it. I don't blame you for laughing at me when I try to get out my gun fast. I can shoot straight. That's because I haven't any nerves, as you say, but I'll never be able to get out a gun as fast as a thought, the way you do. Fact is, Pete, I don't think fast, you know. Shut up, exploded Pete Reeve, who had been inwardly chafing with impatience during the whole length of his speech. Sometimes you talk like a fool, Bull, and this is one time. Bull shook his head. My arms are too big, he said sadly. The muscle gets in my way. I can feel it bind when I try to jerk out the gun fast. Better give up the job, Pete. I sure appreciate all the pains you've taken with me, but I'll never be a gunfighter. Pete Reeve shook his head with a sigh and then dropped into a chair, growing suddenly inert. No use, he groaned. All because you ain't got any confidence, Bull. He leaned forward in his sudden way. Know something? I've been keeping it back, but now I'll tell you the straight of it. You're faster with a gun right now than four men out of five. Bull gaped in amazement. Fact, cried Reeve. You get it out slicker than most, and after it's out, you shoot as straight as any man I've ever seen. Trouble is, you don't appreciate yourself. You've had it drilled into you so long that you're stupid that now you believe it. All nonsense. You've got more than a million have, and you're fast right now on the draw. Once get a hold of how important it is, and you keep trying. But you think it's only a game. You just play at it. You don't work. I wish you could have seen me when I was first practicing with a gun. I lived with it. Hours every day it was my companion. And right up to now, there ain't a day goes by that I don't spend some time keeping on edge with my revolver. Bull, you'll have to do the same thing, you hear? He sprang up again. It was impossible for him to remain seated a long time. You think it don't mean much? Look here. The colt flicked into his hand and lay trembling in his palm, and, as he talked, it shifted smoothly, as if of its own volition, forward toward his fingertips, backward to the side, dropping out until it seemed about to fall, only to be caught with one finger through the trigger guard and spun up again. Always the heavy weapon was in motion, as though some of the nervous spirit of Reeve had entered the heavy metal. It responded to his thoughts rather than to his muscles. Bull Hunter gazed and chanted. He was accustomed to forgetting himself and admiring others. Look here, went on the little man. Look at me. I weigh about a hundred and twenty. I'm skinny. I'm a runt. And look at you. You weigh, heaven knows what, no fat but all muscle from your head to your feet. You're the strongest man that I've ever seen. Take me. I'm not a coward, but you, Bull, you don't know what fear means. Well, there you are, without fear, and stronger than three strong men. You're pretty fast with a gun, and you shoot straight as a hawk looks. And still, if we stood face to face and went for our guns, I'd live, and you with your muscle would be dead, Bull. I know, Bull nodded. That's what this gun means, cried Pete. This gun and the fact that I can get it out of the leather 
faster than you. Not very much faster, but by just as much quicker as it takes for an eyelid to wink. That ain't much time, but it's enough time to mean life or death. That's all. I'm not the only man that's faster than you are. They's others. I've never been beat to the draw, but they's some that shot so close to me that it sounded like one gun going off with a sort of stammer. And any one of those men would have shot you dead. Bull, if you'd fought him. Now, knowing that, tell me, are you going to keep practicing? I'll keep trying, Pete, but I'll never get much faster. You see my arm. It's too big, too heavy. It gets in my way, handling a little thing like a revolver. Pete spun the big Colt and shoved it back into the holster so incredibly fast that the steel hissed against the leather. There you go, running yourself down, he muttered. He began to pace the room again, biting his nether lip, and now and then shooting side glances at Bull, glances partly guilty and partly scornful. Presently he came to a halt. He had also come to a new resolution, one that cost him so much that beads of perspiration came out on his forehead. Bull, he said gravely, I'm going to tell you the secret. You've told me a dozen already, Bull sighed. You've taught me how to swing the muzzle up, not too far up, and how to lean back instead of forward, and how to harden the arm muscles just as I pull the trigger, and how to squeeze with a whole hand and keep my wrist stiff, and how... None of them things counts, said Pete gravely, almost sadly, compared to what I'm going to tell you. Stand up. It was plain that he was going to give something from the depths of his mind. The cost and importance of it made his eyes like steel and drew his mouth to a thin, straight line. Bull Hunter arose, and as the great body unfolded and the legs straightened, it seemed that he would never reach his full height. At length he stood, enormous, wide, towering. He was not a freak, but simply a perfectly proportioned man, increased to a huge scale. Pete Reeve canted his head back and looked into the face of the giant. There was a momentary affectionate appreciation in his eye. Then he hardened his expression. Let your arm hang loose. Bull Hunter obeyed. The hand came just above the holster that was strapped on his thigh. All these weeks Pete Reeve had kept him from going an instant without that gun except when he slept, and even when he slept the gun had to be under his pillow. Because it helps to have it near all the time, Pete had explained. It sort of soaks into your dreams. It's never out of your mind. It haunts you, like the face of a girl you love, you see. Bull Hunter did not see but he had nodded humbly, after his fashion, and obeyed. Now, with his arm fallen loose at his side, he peered studiously into the face of his master gunman and waited for the next order. Draw! The command was snapped out. Bull's gun whipped from the holster, and Pete Reeve drew in the same instant, carelessly, his eyes watching the movement of Bull instead of paying heed, and put his gun up again but Bull followed the example almost reluctantly. "'Nearly beat you that time, Pete,' he exclaimed happily. "'But maybe you weren't half trying.' 
beat me, sneered Pete. I wasn't half trying, but you didn't beat me. I shot you twice before you had your muzzle in line. I shot you in the throat and through the teeth before your gun was ready. Bull, with a shrug of the massive shoulders, touched the mentioned places and looked with awe at the little man. Now listen. Bull grew tense. Watch my draw. Pete did not put his hand near the butt of his weapon. He held his arm out before him, dangling in the air. There was a convulsive movement. One could see the imaginary weapon shoot from the holster and become level and rigid, pointed at its mark. I've seen before, fast as my eye could go, Bull sighed. Look again, said Pete, gritting his teeth with impatience. This time I'm going so slow a cow could see me and beat me. He made the same motion, but to an ordinary eye it was still as fast as light. Bull shook his head. Idiot, cried Pete, his voice jumping up the scale, flat and harsh and piercing. It's the wrist, not the arm, but the... He stopped with an expression of dismay. Even now he regretted revealing the mystery, it seemed. But then he went on. I found out quick but I couldn't beat a good gunman if I used the old methods. Practice makes perfect. They practiced as much as I did. So I studied the methods, and the great idea come to me. They all use the whole arm. Look at you. Your shoulder bulges when you make the draw, and you raise the whole arm. Matter of fact, you'd ought to only use your fingers, not stir a muscle above the wrist. Now try. Bull tried. The gun did come clear of the holster. No good, he said gravely. It's magic when you do it, Pete. It just makes a fool of me. Shut up and listen, Pete said sharply. I'm telling you a thing that'll save your life some day. He drew a little closer. His emotion made him swell to a greater stature, and he rose a little on tiptoe as if partly to make up for the differences between their bulks. Bull obeyed. Now start thinking. Start concentrating on that right hand. There's nothing else to your body, you see. You forget you got a muscle. There's three things in the world, you see. Just three things and no more. There's your gun with a bullet in it. There's your hand that's going to get the gun out. And there's your target, that doorknob, say. Keep on thinking. There ain't any more to your body. You're just a hand and an eye. All your nerves are down there in that hand. They're all piled down there. That hand is full of electricity. Don't let your eyes wander. Keep on concentrating. You're stocking the electricity in that hand. When your hand moves, it'll be as fast as the jump of a spark. And when that hand moves, the gun is going to come out clean in it. It's got to come out with it. You hear it's got to. Your fingertips catch under the butt. They flick up. They don't draw the gun. They throw it out of the holster. They pitch the muzzle up, and the butt comes smack back against the palm of your hand. And in the same part of a second, you pull the trigger. You hear? He leaned forward, trembling from head to foot. The eyes of the big man were beginning to narrow. I hear. I understand, he said through his teeth. You don't pull the gun. You think it out of the leather, and then the bullet hits the doorknob. You don't move your arm. Your arm doesn't exist. 
You're just a hand and a brain, thinking. And that thought sends a bullet at the mark. He leaped back. Draw! There was a wink of light at the hip of Bull Hunter, and the gun roared. Instantly he cried out, alarmed, confused, and ashamed. I didn't mean to shoot, Pete. I'm a fool. I didn't mean to. I sort of couldn't help it. The trigger was just pulled without my wanting it to. Lord, what'll people think? But Pete Reeve had flung his arms around the big man as far as they would go, and he hugged him in a hysteria of joy. Then he leaped back, dancing, throwing up his hands. You done it, he cried, his voice squeaking, hysterical. I made a fool of myself, all right, said Bull, bewildered by this exhibition of joy where he had expected anger. Fool nothing. Look at that knob. The knob was a smashed wreck, driven into the thick wood of the door by the heavy slug of the revolver. Footsteps were running up the stairs of the hotel. Pete Reeve ran to the door and flung it open. It's all right, boys, he called, cleaning a gun, and it went off. No harm done. End of chapter 11